Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hello, church. Uh, Are you doing okay today? Yeah, so far so good. I got to get me some Denise McLeese glasses. She has the sweetest glasses. Uh, Well, we we made it. Uh, My family and I made it in town uh, on Friday. We made the the drive out and uh, got here just in time. But it's been one of those weeks. Honestly, I cannot describe how joy-filled we are, how excited we are to be here. It feels, honestly, it feels like getting out of Egypt and into the promised land. That's what it feels like being here. So we, uh, we really are super blessed, but um, it was one of those weeks when we, uh, I got on the plane to fly back to Arizona last Sunday. Um, my grandmother, while I was in flight, ended up passing away, and uh, so when I landed, um, it was just getting that news, and uh, yet, to be completely honest, you guys, uh, my mammy, uh, she knew Jesus, and um, it was time for her to go home. Uh, it was time for her to be home with her Jesus and be home with the Lord, and so that was just uh, honestly a huge blessing after a couple of years of just a lot of suffering, and yet it's still sad, you know, those of you that have lost those One's dear to you, and uh, so Monday my mom was over clearing out her uh, place at the memory care facility, and we were uh, cleaning the the last part of our house because our stuff was all packed up, and uh, then on Tuesday, then we hit the road and began the the drive out uh, with the dog and the cat and the gecko leopard lizard thing that we shoved in some shoebox and said, hope you make it, buddy. And, uh, and we, we made the trip. Um, we left uh, not quite knowing where we were going to land and found out that the offer that we'd made on the house got accepted and they allowed us to move in prior to closing, which is like unheard of. And so um, it's a real, real blessing um, to be here. But just wondering today um, if we could have a little conversation about our time and the decisions that we make. Uh, I don't know if it's just because of everything that we've been through in the last uh, couple of months and really the last couple of weeks. We hit the wall where it just felt like there was too much to do and too many decisions to make. Have you ever been in that season or that spot? Maybe you're there today or whatever. Um, If you're not there today, then just wait a couple weeks. You'll be right back there. It just constantly feels like there's too much to do and too many decisions to make. And I know my mom's there. We've been there. We were maxed out with house stuff and moving stuff and mammy stuff and all of that. And then these dear friends, um, these dear friends, Tim and Jackie, called up and 
They knew that my son's uh, 1999 Jeep Cherokee probably wouldn't make a cross-country trip, and if it did, it would take us three weeks because its top speed is 50 miles an hour. And um, they said, what if we just trailer it up and we'll drive it all the way out there for you? And so they did that, and Tim and Jackie are in here somewhere. So God bless Tim and Jackie for making that journey and uh, (laughs) dropping them off. I mean, the generosity of that, you know, some people show up and just take a decision off your list and what a blessing that is. And um, my heart, and I hope your heart is just, my heart's just to honor Jesus with the time that I've got. And I want to honor Jesus with the decisions that I make, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that's your heart too, to honor Jesus with your decisions, honor Jesus with your time, If you're not a Christian yet and you're still trying to figure it out, that's okay. He's so patient with us. But that that is part of his end goal is that you would honor him with every breath you take, every decision you make, and every every move you make. That's a sting song, right? That's the police just crept in there. These 11-15 services are a winner, I tell you. Um, But he really... He wants us to honor him, and we're meant, our whole lives are meant to honor him. All of our time is meant to point back to him as representatives of his. But it's also better for us when we're living that way. And that really is the the truth of, of the matter. And there's so many opportunities that you and I have every single day to honor him with our decisions and with our time. I was reading recently that we make somewhere upwards of 35,000 decisions a day. I don't know who did that study and lost a day to counting that many decisions, but I imagine many of those decisions are kind of subconscious and they just kind of happen by reflex and we don't necessarily know all of them. But honestly, if we even cut that number in half, And the volume of decisions that we make, so many of those decisions are uh, minor and kind of inconsequential. Uh, Some of those, though, are probably pretty massive and kind of fork in the road sorts of uh, decisions. Um, I think I lose probably 5,000 of my decisions the day that I go grocery shopping and you get stuck in the cereal aisle. You ever done that? You just walk in, you're trying to figure out what you like and what the kids like and... You've been stuck in that aisle. I had that sinus infection. I did that in the cold medicine aisle. I just walked in. Oh my gosh, that one's fast acting. This one's long lasting. I want both, and there's 19 options for each of them. Like, which do you do? And, and there's so many decisions, and, and it's the serious ones too that, you know, honestly, when you get down to the rubber meets the road, sort of serious ones. I jotted down just kind of stream of consciousness. I mean, questions like, what direction am I supposed to go with my life? Should I work here or should I work there? Who should I marry? Who shouldn't I marry? My parents want this, but I want that. Now what? Does college matter? How do I figure out my finances? How should I spend my money? 
What do I do if my kids go a direction that I'm concerned about? Should I hang out with these people or those people? What do I do if I'm lonely? How can I make everyone happy? (laughs) Here's a big secret. You can't. Next question. Who should I listen to for advice and input? Just myself? What part of myself? My heart? My feelings? My mind? My gut? My friends? My godly friends? God, some combination thereof? When should I stop? When should I start? Is it okay to rest? And if so, for how long? What if this is all that there is to life? Then what? And we could go on and on, right, with the huge volume of questions, significant ones that we wrestle with, but it's kind of important to process the decisions that we make, the choices that we make, because honestly, what is your life if not the sum total of a whole bunch of decisions that we make. And if you and I really want to honor Jesus with our time, honor Jesus with our decisions, then I think it becomes really important for us to process our decisions in a godly manner and invite him in to really every single opportunity, every single day, every single decision And that doesn't often come naturally. We kind of have to learn how to do that as followers of God. And the Holy Spirit is active in us. And so what is it to kind of saturate ourselves in a relationship with the Lord where the Holy Spirit, our radar is up to him and he's communicating with us and we're listening and we're kind of saying yes and we're not lagging behind him and we're not getting out ahead of him, but we're walking in step with him. So with regard to our time and our decisions and this reality, there just seems like there's too much to do and too many decisions to make if we sum all that up in the word busyness. What I'd kind of propose today is the solution to our busyness isn't so much about doing less as it is about seeking him more. Now sometimes If we're seeking him more, he may say, hey, you're doing too much, you actually do need to do less. But I don't think the solution is ultimately just do less. I think there's a deeper root issue with regard to how we process our time, with regard to how we make decisions, and that starts with seeking him. What does it look like? And that's maybe what I'd like to unpack just for a few minutes together today. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to open up to the book of Ephesians. Go to Ephesians, go to chapter 5. Ephesians is a phenomenal letter that God used to equip these new believers in this city of Ephesus. And when Paul wrote this letter, God used it to encourage them. And I think it was a letter that was circulated to other believers in nearby areas. And this is a foundational book. It talks about how we could be strengthened in our faith and what practical faith looks like and what the church was meant to look like. And Ephesians chapter five starts out with this call for me and you to be imitators of God. 
we are not God, but we are called to imitate him, and we are his representatives here. And so it makes sense then, if we're to be imitating God, that we should imitate him in how we use our time and the decisions we make and what we say yes to and no to and whatnot. And then you get down to verses 15 through 17 of Ephesians 5, and there's some really succinct, beautiful words from the Lord here. I'm going to read through these three verses, and then we'll double back and unpack one verse at a time. Verse 15 says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And if you continue to read through the rest of this thought in this passage, he, he, he wants us to really be saturated in the Holy Spirit and drink deeply of the Lord and what the Holy Spirit wants, be filled with the Spirit that as we seek him, are anchored into him, are processing our time and our decisions through our relationship with him, through his word, through what he wants from us, then the overflow of that, everything begins to fall into to place. But back at verse 15, it starts with this thought. So be careful how you live. Are you careful with how you're living? Are you careful with your time? Are you careful with your decisions that you make? God's calling us to be careful as opposed to care less. I read a book several years ago written on this passage and posed some of these questions and it just really stuck with me. Are you careful with how you live as opposed to care less, meaning reckless? You know, it might be one thing for you to be reckless with your time or reckless with your decisions when you're 12 or 13. But when we get older, we start to realize that our time is precious and that our decisions start to carry more and more weight. And if we're continuously careless, reckless about our time and about our decisions, then that can have huge consequences and massive ripple effects on you, on your relationships, on your relationship with the Lord. And he wants us to be careful, not careless. Or not careless in the reckless sense of the term, but maybe also like I could care less. So not reckless, but just like blissfully ignorant. I don't care about what I do. I don't care about my time. I don't care about my decisions. I could care less. This is where I get, when I get kind of tired or maybe in a little more depressed, melancholy state, then this starts to kick in. I, don't, I can't make any more decisions. I've got too much to do. I just don't care at all about anything anymore. And if you're at that place, then you might need a break. You might need a nap. You might need a sabbatical. You might need a vacation. Uh, you might need a rest. That's all really, really key and really, really important. But to continue to live, I don't care. That's not a good way to go. And instead, what he says is, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
God's heart for me and you with regard to our life, with our time, with our decisions is that we would live wisely. Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That really for us to learn wisdom is is to start a relationship with the Lord, to position ourselves under his umbrella. And that begins this learning process of wisdom. And, and wisdom isn't just information, it's, just knowledge, it's not just knowledge. It's our God-given ability to apply what it is that he's talked to us about. You know, Scripture's rich with a whole bunch of very clear things. Do this and don't do that. But then there's a whole bunch of other things that are kind of gray areas that require great wisdom and great discernment. You think about your life. Occasionally there are things that are crystal clear that you just know, okay, that's obvious. I I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. But then there's a whole bunch that God gives us freedom in the gray area to Try to be wise and try to be discerning with what it is that he's given us. I want to give you a couple questions today that you might pose to yourself if you're wrestling through a decision, whether it's a major one or a bunch of minor ones. Some questions that you might ask if you're trying to process through, should I or shouldn't I? Is this something, Lord, that would honor you or is this what I should be up to? Here's a really good question to ask, and here's, here it is. What is the wise thing for me to do? When I, when I read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it just kind of prompts that question. What's the wise thing for me to do right now in this particular moment? Lord, I, I would very much like to go this direction. This appears to be another option. I got option A, I got option B, or I've got option A through Z. Lord, uh, let me choose wisely which one of these is the wise thing for me to do. And that's a really courageous question to ask. Because I think if you dare to ask the question, is this the wise thing for me to do? You probably already know the answer. That's why a lot of us don't ask it right away. Because in our gut or in our heart, we know Eh, this probably isn't wise, but I really want to. But if you stop long enough and just go, is this the wise thing for me to do? The wisdom of God will always protect you, and it'll always be better for me and you. The enemy may tempt you with the, the flashy and the quick fix and the immediate feel good and then blind you to the potential consequences or fallout down the line. Wisdom, on the other hand, at the beginning doesn't always sound real great, not super attractive. But learning to ask, is this the wise thing for me to do, can be tremendously helpful and and help you make uh, decisions, especially when it's kind of a a gray area. I've heard other people attach uh, thoughts about your past and your present and your future with regard to this question. In other words, uh, considering your past experiences, is this the wise thing for me to do? That deepens it even more. So let's say that maybe alcohol was a problem, a significant problem in your past experiences. 
And now you've got an opportunity to go hang out at the bar for the first time tonight in a long time. Considering your past experiences is the wise thing for you to do to go to the bar tonight for the first time in a really long time. Probably not. It's probably not wise considering your past. Or your present, your present circumstances. Considering your present circumstances, is this the wise thing for me to do? Let's say you have $48,000 in credit card debt, and you've got 19 credit cards maxed out, but there's that brand new car that you really, really want. Considering your present financial circumstances is the wise thing for you to do to go buy that car. Probably not. I can testify from personal experience that that is not the wise thing to do. But then think about your future, your future hopes and dreams. The future of maybe what you feel like the Lord is really calling you to. This particular marriage relationship or that particular school. Or maybe you get a sense, God's calling me to the mission field. You're a teenager, you're college age, you're an empty nester, and now finally you can go anywhere overseas and build God's kingdom in a really special way. Who knows? It doesn't really matter what stage, but you sense that God's leading you toward the mission field in your future. So what's the wise way to spend your time now in light of where you sense God is leading you in the future? Financially or educationally or experientially, what can... What can God do with the time right now that is going to set you up for where you sense he is leading you in the future? Is it the wise thing for me to do? And then in verse 16, look, it gets even better. Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Another translation says, redeem the time, buy back the time. Reclaim the time. The enemy wants to steal the time, ruin the time, waste the time. God would very much like for you and I to redeem it and reclaim it and make the most of every single opportunity. Because he says here, the days are evil. And we live in some evil days. We live in some ungodly days, some unrighteous days. Another way of putting it is, is kind of the, the general current that the cultural river is going is unhealthy. And if you and I, all we do with regard to our time and all we do with regard to our decisions is just go with the flow, we are going to end up by default in really icky, unhealthy places for you and the people that you love. And so if you're careless or careless, you're not thinking through it, and you're just like, I'm just going to go there, I'll just let whatever happens, I don't need to think about my time, I don't need to think about my decisions, then all of the junk around us, it's going to hit us at some point. Several years ago, our boys were maybe six and seven, seven and eight, we took a trip to Colorado, and we went to a river that was there, and we float-tubed the river. It seemed like a fantastic idea at the time. We, we, we each got our own little tube, and then you go to this river, and you sit down in your tube in the water, 
And the water's, it's shallow and slow moving, at least where we entered the river. And we got in and we just started to float. And I'm thinking, oh, this is the best thing ever. I don't have to do anything. You just one, two miles an hour, just this slow little drift, and we're giggling, and we're having fun, and I got one of each of my boys uh, just kind of holding on to their tube. My wife's getting a little bit of alone time for once in her life, you know, 15 yards away, drifting in her tube. She's going a little bit faster. She doesn't weigh as much, and so she, she's racing down, and I've got the boys, and then there's just a little bit of like turbulence and we're like, oh, we're picking up speed a little bit. And then there's a little bit more and my oldest son, Brad, he dislodges. He's still in his tube, but I'm not holding on. And now he's kind of just kind of drifting off up a little bit and Brody and I are picking up speed now going faster. And then the worst horror story, I look back and Brad hit another little uh, wave, it flips him over and he gashes his knee open. Luckily, it was shallow enough where he could stand up, but the current now is picking up. There's a family downriver from me and Brody, and they yell to me. They say, let go of your son and go back and get yours. We'll catch your little guy. So then I let my other boy just adrift, <laughs> hoping this family's going to catch him. And now I'm trying to up current walk to my other boy. We get him. We pile in his tube. We drift down trying to catch back up. The family caught Brody. We get around another turn. One of their kids falls out. I had to rescue one of their children. We ground another bend and we got shoved into the bank and we're kind of slamming up against the bank where there was trees overhanging with Satan's minions, these spiders, these giant arachnophobia moment, just all in our, our tubes, crawling up our shorts. I screamed like I was about an eight-year-old little girl, and we were just like, this is a fun sport. I'm so glad we spent the money on this. This is my favorite family adventure ever. Love it, guys. You know, we're just like, man, forget this. Let's jump out of the tubes and just float the rest of the way. And when I thought about that, I just thought, this is, this is us in our culture today if we don't think about the time and don't think about the decisions we're making. Because there's danger around every corner. There's stuff that the enemy would just love to sink us with or distract us with or hurt us with or whatever. And so to not just go with the flow is pretty massive for me and you. Here's another question for you with regard to that. You might pose this question if you're wrestling through some decisions or how you spend your time. Ask yourself this question. How might I redeem the time or reclaim the time that God's given me instead of just squander it? The enemy would love for us just to squander all our days, all our decisions. He'd love for us just to waste our time, waste our days, waste our decisions. But what God's called me and you to is to be wise in them and then make the most of every opportunity. Even when you're stuck, you're stuck in a relationship, you're stuck in a work situation, you're stuck in a school deal, you're physically stuck in a specific location, 
even when you and I are stuck, we can still reclaim and redeem the time and not waste it. Even when you're stuck, you can pray. Even when you're stuck, you can encourage somebody. There's always something that God can do in and through you, even when you and I are stuck. But then to figure out and have kind of that mind of Christ, as cliche as it sounds, you guys, to be able to be in any situation that you're in, any day that you're in, and begin to think, if Jesus were sitting here right now, how would he be making use of this time just sitting here? If Jesus were working here or in my class like I'm in my class, how would Jesus make the use of this time in this class? If he were working here, how would he operate? If Jesus were shopping with me right now, how would he treat the cashier and the workers there? And begin to process like every moment and every week and every day and every hour and every decision really through that lens of, gosh, I just want to honor you, Jesus, and I want to operate in the same manner. I want to make the most of every single opportunity that you give me. And watch the ripple effect of that spill over as a blessing to the people around us. Verse 17 wraps it up. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It begs the question, this begs the question, how, how do I know what the Lord wants me to do? How do I know what the Lord's will is? How am I supposed to understand what the Lord wants me to do? You gotta seek him constantly. In prayer, the Holy Spirit will give you peace and comfort you and guide you and direct you. In his word, his word is mapped out so much, you seek him. Matthew chapter six, Jesus himself is talking about, hey, don't worry about your life, like what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna do. There's a whole bunch of decisions there, just don't worry about it. But then I love, he distills it all down to this very simple, powerful thing. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and the rest will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything that you need. Verse 34 goes on to say, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of decisions that we're worried about for three weeks from now. But God distills it down, just says, seek me today. Because if you're seeking me today, we're going to be okay tomorrow. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, familiar to many of you, uh, it basically says that, dear brothers and sisters, we're going to, the invitation is, I I plead with you to give your bodies to God. It's a spiritual act of worship. For all he's done for you. New Living goes on to say, let them be our lives, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We want to worship him in our decisions and our time. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't go with the flow, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In other words, when we are seeking him diligently in prayer and in his word, it will lead to a transformation in the way that we think. 
and the way that we understand, which is what it says next. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants you to know his will. He wants you to understand. Did you know that there's some verses in the scriptures that actually tell you something and then it says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus? Okay, if the verse actually says, this is God's will for you in Christ, that's a good place to start, right? So go Google that, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus verses, and you can get a good start of some in the New Testament right there. But if it's in God's word, it's God's will for you. And here's the freeing part to the whole thing. If you're seeking him diligently, you're walking with him, then just then go ahead and make some godly decisions. You don't need to overthink it. There's not always a bullseye for every single decision of God's will for you. He's given us freedom and latitude. But when we're walking with him and seeking him, then you go ahead and make some decisions. Are they all gonna be perfect? No. Are you gonna make some wrong decisions or bad decisions still? I'm sure, I do. But is his grace still there for you in those moments? You bet. Is his presence still there with you in those moments? You bet. Is he gonna teach you some stuff even when you make poor decisions? You bet. But that's our good God. But he's given us this tremendous freedom and he's given us godly counsel. He's given you brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you have godly counsel in your life? You're trying to make a decision? Ask some good godly people that have been around the block before or been down a road that you haven't been down yet. Hey, here's a decision I'm facing. What do you think? And they say, oh, I remember that. Here's what God did through us and here's what I learned along the way. You talk to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. There's about 15 decisions here. I don't know if they're consequential or not, but I need to make them. I got a big one coming up. I, I need help, Holy Spirit. And you go to his word. And the stuff that he's been really clear on, make sure you're doing that. And then the stuff that's kind of the gray area, tough decision, I don't really know if there's an actual verse for this sort of moment, then the Bible still speaks to that. Philippians chapter 4, verse Eight, for example, says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure and lovely and excellent and noble and praiseworthy and on and on, think about such things. Oh, that's a good one. In other words, if you're trying to decide, should I log on and watch whatever's on that website or should I watch this particular movie or listen to this particular song or whatever, go back to Philippians 4. If you can continue to think noble, excellent, praiseworthy, lovely things while you watch that, listen to that, do that, then go for it. If you can't, maybe you don't do it. Colossians chapter three, verse 17, this is it. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it all to honor him. Do it all to glorify him. Do it all as a representative of him. That kind of covers all the bases, doesn't it? 
Lord, I want to honor you with my decisions. I want to honor you with my time. I want to honor you with my life. So would you help me in the big things and the little things? Because I want to honor you. And when you're talking to him like that and seeking him like that, he'll confirm it. He'll affirm it in you. When you're talking to him about every single thing throughout the day, sometimes he'll say, hey, today you need to take a nap. Today you need to stop working. There's a thing called the Sabbath. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. You should observe it. Hey, today you need to you need to get off work early and you need to take your kid out for some ice cream. Hey, tonight, it's been a long time since you and your spouse actually went out for a date. Tonight's a night for that. You know that encouraging word or text or letter you've been needing to send for a while? The Lord might prompt you. Here's how to redeem some time today. Write five of those letters or texts. In so doing, God's going to make the most of your decisions and your time and therefore your life. It's going to be better for you, but more than that, it's going to represent and glorify Him well. And that's really what we want. The ripple effects of that are going to be huge. And so, gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for being patient with us in these volume of decisions that we've got to make and all the stuff that we've got to do. A lot of it's legit and a lot of it isn't. Help us. Help us sift through what it is that you really called us to do. Everybody else has got a list for us. We got our own list. Help us tune into your list for us, God. Pray for those that are facing maybe some challenging stuff, some big decisions, or it's a unique season of time right now. Would you give them wisdom? Help make the most of the opportunity. Help them understand what your will for them is in this particular moment. We're just going to focus on today, Lord, and let you handle the rest. We rest in that. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.